A reading from the twelfth chapter of the Gospel according to Mark, beginning with the eighteenth verse. Some Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came to Jesus and asked him a question, saying, Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies, leaving a wife but no child, the man shall marry the widow and raise up children for his brothers. There were seven brothers. The first married, and when he died, left no children. And the second married the widow and died, leaving no children. And the third likewise. None of the seven left children. Last of all, the woman herself died. In the resurrection, whose wife will she be? For the seven had married her. Jesus said to them, Is not this the reason you are wrong, that you know neither the Scriptures nor the power of God? For when they rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. And as for the dead being raised, have you not read in the book of Moses in the story about the bush, how God said to him, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not God of the dead, but of the living. You are quite wrong. One of the scribes came near and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that he answered them well, he asked Jesus, which commandment is the first of all? Jesus answered, The first is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Then the scribe said to him, You are right, teacher. You have truly said that He is one, and besides Him there is no other, and to love Him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength, and to one love one's neighbor as oneself. This is much more important than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that He answered wisely, He said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. After that, no one dared to ask him any question. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So a cursory review of Google will tell you that there aren't that many funny uh, jokes about saints. (laughs) Apparently there were some of the saints of the church that were funny people, but there aren't that many jokes. But I do know one. Would you like to hear it? It has a point, I promise. I don't tell you those things just because it's easier to preach to smiling faces, even though it is. But, because it has a point. And it goes like this. There was a man who died. And he was a rotten man. One of the worst who had ever lived in the small town he was from. He had two brothers. The two brothers came to the local Methodist preacher in the town and they said, we want you to do our brother's service. 
And the pastor said, I just, I just don't know if I can do that. And they said, oh yes you can. We're going to give your church $250,000 if you say that our brother was a saint. But you must say that he was a saint. Well, the pastor wrestled to that for a while, about 15 minutes. <laughs> now, the story is he wrestled with it for a while and, and finally called the brothers up and he said, I'll do it. So the day of the funeral came around. And the pastor got up and he talked about what a rotten person the man was because there really wasn't anything good he could say about him. And the brothers were steaming because they'd already written the check. It has been cashed. They were mad. And in the very conclusion of his words, the pastor said, but according to his brothers, he was a saint. <laughs> it's pretty funny, isn't it? The person that I heard tell it told it much better than I did. And I think the other 20 times I've told that in a sermon, I told it much better. But it has a very concrete point for us. Our legacy matters. Doesn't it? When I read this story, I wonder what would it be like to know that someone would look to me and say, I follow the God of David. What about you? What would it be like for your children to say, I follow my father's God? That's what's happening in this story. Jesus has recounted for them that the fathers of their nation, the nation Israel, one of them, literally the father of the nation, Jacob, who was a liar, remember? God was even the God of a liar. He says, don't you remember that when God came to Moses, God said, I am the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob. Not that the Word of God says, but that God said it. I am the God of Abraham, who they knew was dead. And he said he's a God of the living. I wonder what it would be like to be so set apart for God that when people remember you, they remember that you serve a God of life and not a God of death. A God of abundance and not a God of scarcity. A God of hope and not a God of defeat. A God of joy and not a God of anger. A God of love and not just a God of wrath. What would it be like to know that somewhere in your life someone has been so affected by your presence and by your love that they knew that Christ was alive? That's why we light these candles in remembrance of people who've gone before us because they affected us in that way. Our Roman Catholic brothers and sisters do more with saints than we do. But we still, by Scripture, if we are in Christ, are called saints. When I've asked you the questions before, do you love Christ? And you've said, and I've asked you, have you have faith? Do you have faith in Christ? And you've said, that means you're in Christ, which means you're set apart, which means you're holy, which means you are a saint. So how in the world can we live up to that? How do we be a saint? 
That's the question that's at hand in these texts. How do we be a living person set apart for a living God, a God of the living? How do we escape the tyranny of death that would have us stand against everyone else and seek our own self-interest? How do we escape the tyranny of sin that would kill us? How do we become set apart from death and sin? And be people fully alive. The Sadducees didn't believe in resurrection. They believed that in this life, that's all there is. That when you die, you're just dead. There's no going to be with Christ. There's no resurrection of the body later. There's no new heaven, no new earth. It's all this and then there's nothing. And so they've come to Jesus to trick him with a pretty good question. And Jesus just reminds him that in the kingdom of heaven, we won't be given in marriage because there's no need to procreate. We'll just be like angels, not given in marriage. That doesn't mean we get wings and become angels, as some have used it. But it means that no matter what happens, we're alive to God. He just said it. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they all knew that they had died, and yet Jesus says they're alive to God. He's a God of the living. But don't you know that there are some people in this world that are taking breath that aren't alive? Their lungs work. Their brains still work. But they pass through this life with no joy with no love, with no hope, with nothing. All they have is themselves and the kingdoms they build for themselves. What are they missing? I think it's that secret ingredient that makes us saints. It's not perfect behavior. If it were perfect behavior, I should leave now. It's not a perfect vocabulary not a perfect home, not a perfect family, not a perfect reputation. It's love. What qualifies a person to be called saint is loving God with the whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. And loving our neighbor as ourselves. And when we do that, we are fully alive. When we live in that love, we are fully alive. If we refuse that love, we're choosing to stay in death. There's no way around it. This is what Jesus has asked of us. We can't look at it and say, oh, but I don't have to love so-and-so. I don't have to love this person or that person because the Bible says this. We can't do that because the one that the Bible is about has said, love God, love your neighbor. That's kind of hard, isn't it? Now the truth is that doesn't mean we have to agree with our neighbor. So what does it mean to love our neighbor? What does it mean to be so set apart in this world by God that we love our neighbor? It simply means this, to serve others instead of ourselves. Whether we don't like them or how they vote or what they eat or how they talk or how they look or their skin color or their geographic location or whatever it is that the world should tell us should divide us to love those people is to stand up and say, but Christ unites us and makes us one. 
You want to be a saint? You want to leave behind a legacy that will cause people to want to light a candle in your memory on All Saints Sunday? You want to leave behind a legacy where somebody might one day say, I follow the God that Michael followed. You want that kind of legacy behind you? You want that kind of witness? Then take Jesus' words seriously. And that's how you'll have it. You want to be a saint? Love God, love your neighbor. Serve God and serve your neighbor. Now the guy that was questioning Jesus, he caught what Jesus was saying. He said, that's exactly right. That's more valuable to God than whatever else we might sacrifice. Do you hear that? Whether they brought every one of their best bulls, whether they brought every one of their best sheep, their best lamb, no matter what, whatever they brought could not add up if they simply brought their heart and gave it to God and gave it to their neighbor. How about that? No greater thing can you offer to God than your heart. So I've asked you if you love Jesus. I've asked you if you have faith in Jesus. I want to ask you a last question. Do you trust Jesus with your heart? Are you willing to trust Him with your heart? To help you to learn those that the world says you should not love. Or that even other Christians say you should not love. God help them. That doesn't mean you've got to agree with everybody. Doesn't mean you have to condone behaviors that you believe are sinful. But it does mean that you treat people with dignity and remember that they are created by the God you love. It does mean that you serve them and that you would do as our Lord and kneel and wash their feet. You want to be a saint, that's how you do it. You want to be remembered in this world? I guess you can stack up billions of dollars and have a foundation named after you. But it'll be a short memory. Best way I know of to be remembered is to be set apart for God. To impact people's lives eternally. And to show them the love of God from your own lips, from your own hands. It might mean we have to befriend people we're uncomfortable with. Seems to me Jesus did that for us. It might mean we have to hang out with some people we think are sinful. But it seems to me that Jesus did that for us. It might mean that we have to invite people who aren't like us to our table. And dear ones, isn't that what Jesus is doing for us today? I'm not perfect enough to demand a place at the Lord's table. But I'm grateful that he calls me to come anyway. 
Ponder that question as you come to his table today. Are you willing to trust him with your heart? Are you willing to trust him with your heart? We continue on page 7 in your hymnal. We'll be using the great thanksgiving.